The world is like a ride at an amusement park. And when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think. Feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hey brothers, welcome back to the Nicholas Gregoratis Show. I am your host, Nicholas Gregoratis. The topic of today's episode is one that's very close to my heart, which is failure. I'm at a stage in my life where my, my own spiritual practice is almost entirely focused on being kind to myself and learning to love myself more. And I'm unraveling a lot of stuff from my childhood and my early adulthood that led to certain circumstances in my life, later in life. And, you know, the more I, I dig and, and unravel and analyze and objectively look at the situation, I realize a lot of it, a lot of my challenges in life have come from a perfectionist complex, which is at its root, a fear of failure. That really is what it is. It's you're afraid to fail. You're afraid to make a mistake because the consequences for your failure are obviously something incredibly painful or difficult to face. And when I look back to my childhood, that was a thing. Like failure was like, <laughs> it was not good to fail, especially in school. Um, for me, like any sort of academic uh, shortcomings were frowned upon very severely. And I became this person who was just terrified to fail at things. And luckily, <clears throat> I was still someone who was willing to try. I had enough courage to keep trying new things. And I would push through in spite of several failures. But the problem is when the failures came, I would be absolutely devastated. So I look at one particular business failure of mine from many years ago. Like it was, I knew it wasn't working. There was a point you know, maybe four or five years into this business and we'd had our share of success, but it was now at the point where the thing was no longer working and I just couldn't let it go because that would have been considered a failure. And the same with several relationships, you know, you know, this person's not good for you or you're not good for them or it's not good. And you just hold on because you're too afraid to be labeled as someone who failed. Like I failed in that relationship or I failed in that business. And so today's guest, Andrew Thorpe King, it was really good to have him on because he, he helped me reframe failure and it, it changed a lot for me. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this because I know a lot of you probably have suffered from that same perfectionist complex or that same fear of failure that I have. And so I'm super excited for you guys to listen to this. I want to remind you guys that if you're listening to this and you enjoy my work, you enjoy what I do and you want to break through to the next level in your life, whatever that looks like to you, it could be better health, it could be a better career, or more success in your career, it could be more fulfilling relationships, whatever of these things that you're looking for, I can help you with that. I have helped many men in the past through my coaching work, and I know 
that if you were if you choose to work with me and you're willing i will help you as well we will get you the results that you need we will help dissolve any of the blockages that you that you're beset by and also help you achieve the goals or the objectives that you have in your life so if you're interested in that my one-to-one coaching work or you would like a free copy of my book align the modern man's guide to health wealth and freedom or if you'd like to join my free group on facebook where we discuss everything related to men's personal development you can find out how to connect with all of those projects just by heading over to my website which is coachnickg.com that's c-o-a-c-h-n-i-c-g.com remember there's no k in the word nick so it's coachnickg.com or if you just want to drop me a line head over there and you can email me directly from there I hope you guys have a fantastic week, sending you good energy and blessings. Let's enjoy the episode with Andrew Thorpe King. Andrew Thorpe King, welcome to the show, my man. It's it's really good to have you here. Great to be here, Nick. Good to talk to you, man. Yeah, I can tell that you're definitely a character. Uh, you put in, uh, in well, your, your bio says, Andrew Thorpe King is a serial failure. He has crashed and burned through bankruptcy, divorce, mortgage default, public assistance, and multiple business failures. But like a jack-in-the-box after a punch, he pops back up every time, rebuilding his life, informed by failure, with a big smile on his face. I absolutely love that. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's not something that you would imagine someone would, would be proud about and publish and have embedded in their bio as kind of heralding something great about themselves. But for me... Where it is a badge of honor. I mean, failure has been something that's been uh, this uh, a shaper of my destiny, a shaper of my character. You know, it's been that fire that kind of like, you know, really uh, puts me through it and, and makes me a better next version every time. You know, you want to avoid mm-hmm. it, of course. But when it comes, you know, like Jocko Willink would say, it's always good. You know, let's mm-hmm. find a way to turn this into magic. You know. Mm. I just had lunch with a, a very successful friend yesterday who, by all accounts, is an overachiever. Uh, and we were actually talking about his, his he's had a couple of failures in life. And he said uh, he, he doesn't like it when things are going too well, uh, because he says, if you think about a, a movie, right, what's the most boring movie in the world? It's the one where the hero doesn't have any obstacles or any challenges yeah. to overcome. And that really stuck with me. And that, um, you know, I, I for one, I, for, for many years of my life, I had a perfectionist or perfectionism complex, and I've tried to trace back where it came from. I think it was due to an unordinate amount of pressure that my mother put on me because I was a highly gifted child, and mm. I think she tried to vicariously uh, live her hopes and dreams through me um, because I, I had skills and talents and abilities that she didn't have when she was a child. Mm. But uh, as I was just discussing with um, with a, a, another close friend of mine, what, what happens to a lot of kids such as myself is that we are we are not equipped with the tools to achieve perfection, and yet it's required of us. And so you're given this Gordian knot. It's this impossible challenge from a very young age. It's like you're never going to be perfect. I'm not going to show you how to be perfect, but you've got to be perfect. And what what else could that do besides engender pathology in a child? There's, I mean, there's not there's no other way that that recipe can, yeah. can go down. Yeah, right. So, yeah, 
I mean, you bring up a good point, right? It's like this perfectionism culture we have. And of course, we want to strive for excellence. Like that is a great goal. And there is like learning and beauty and challenge and thrill and striving for excellence. But if you don't couple that and pair that with the reality that actions and failures go together and you don't like premeditatively think about how you're going to handle failure, how you're going to metabolize it, how you're going to leverage it to kind of, you know, like the Hydra or like uh, Nassim Tlaib to talk about with anti-fragile that you, you leverage failure to not only just be resilient towards it and get back up, but you get back up stronger and you're multiplying in strength like mm -hmm. a Hydra. Like it's nobody teaches that. So that's part of why I wrote this book, The Five Rules of Failure uh, for Entrepreneurs, Creatives and Authentics. It's failure rules, right? So I wrote this because it's a pre-meditative guidebook to failure mm -hmm. and uh, go through tons of case studies, um, you know, ranging from, you know, a spy novelist, Vince Flynn, uh, you know, uh, uh, the uh, tech misfit, Srinivas Rao, who has a, a podcast and wrote many books, The Art of Being Unmistakable, people like uh, punk rocker Henry Rollins and his story, uh, you know, and I wrote it for that purpose. And uh, somehow through the writing process, I was able to distill five rules. And I really think these five rules are a great framework for thinking about failure in advance. So like mm -hmm. you said, you kind of defeat a little bit of that perfectionism, you know, dribble that comes into our culture where we think we have to have it made all the time. You know, For you sure. said something interesting to me there too about the inachievability of perfection, right? And I think there's just like, to me, it goes hand in hand with like this utopianist kind of aspiration of society, which I think is conflated with the strive for excellence because mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. There is no utopia. There is no perfection of self, uh, right? But at the same time, we do want to be better all the time but it's that infinite game. It's that perpetual process. Um, you know, it reminds me of, you know, and, and you're in, you know, it reminds me of the song by the dropkick Murphys. It's a song they put out recently on the most recent album called smash shit up. Right. <laughs> and it's just talking about like, you know, they're missing the days where they were in debt and they were in trouble and they were, they were dangerous and things were blowing up in their lives, you know, and mm -hmm. they, they just want to smash shit up again, just for a little excitement and adventure. Yeah. And while that sounds kind of stupid and sounds self-destructive, I think that's in our nature, man. Like if, if you're just on the beach, you know, having cocktails, you know, ad nauseum forever, I mean, you know, wake up one day, man, you should want something to go wrong or something to screw up your life just to have a challenge, yeah. just to prove your ability to contend, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I wonder, I've had this thought recently. I wonder if that ability to contend and that, um, propensity for bouncing back from failure and for smashing smashing shit up is maybe there are phases in your life and that's like you know the first half yeah go and smash shit up right go and make mistakes and you'll bounce back yeah. but i think as you get older the margin for error actually becomes smaller and smaller and it's probably best to get the failure out the way in the beginning and then have the chilled out, this chilled out part in uh, in volume two, right? Maybe, maybe not. That's just the thought I had. Yeah, no, for sure. No, I'm certainly not an advocate of intentional failure, right? Like not worshiping at the altar of some twisted indulgence and, you know, uh, intentional failure. Like, absolutely not, right? Mm -hmm. The goal is to avoid it, but understand that it might it will inevitably come, particularly if you're going after difficult things, particularly if you are mm -hmm. kind of chasing after or trying to align with kind of the mysterious tumultuous calling journey that you're mm -hmm. uniquely mm -hmm. called to you know go after uh if you have an unorthodox career path if you're kind of a a, a more if you're 
you know, if your authentic self in the world clashes with the rest of the world, like if you're, if you're, if you're in that kind of mode, you know, failure and difficulty and hard times, uh, which have some synonymous traits, it's going to come. So mm. it's a matter of just like not seeing them as um, indicative of um, who you are, not mm-hmm. seeing them as kind of, um, you know, foregone conclusions of, um, you know, like a long-term failure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just part of the journey and can mm-hmm. be a beautiful integral part. I mean, Absolutely. Um, you know, the creative destruction of failure. Yeah. Uh, you know, something else that I was, I was thinking of, you know, I, I have a, a slogan that, that guides uh, or informs a lot of my worldview, which is don't believe the hype. You know, we, we live in a society that presents to us such overhyped depictions of pretty much everything. And in particular success, right. Um, you know, you, you'd, believing the official narrative that you see out there, you would think that every highly successful person pretty much did it on their own and they got it right first time around. And that's just, it's just total bullshit, dude. It's just not, it's not true. The The truth is, which I, I found out uh, very late in life is that, you know, the average age of success for an entrepreneur is actually 45, right? Yep. And any, anyone yep. who, who is success, who is wildly successful before then, the fact of the matter is it's highly probable that they were just incredibly lucky, you know, right. and then society puts that on a pedestal and, and pushes those examples of the very lucky, very few that just by some quirk of genetics and birth order and place of birth and resources happens to hit this grand slam. Right. And then they're mm-hmm. like, you should be doing this. And when the vast majority of us are unable to do that, then we start thinking, fuck, you know, I, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. And, and, you know, I just think that's something everyone should be cured of. Another thing relating to failure that um, was more specific to my upbringing. And I think to anyone else who, who was brought up in the, in the Christian um, religious paradigm, which is, you're told that Jesus was this perfect man, right? The 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 center mm-hmm. point of your religious system is this 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 so-called man who, mm-hmm. who never made a single mistake in his life. That's the that's what it says is Jesus was sinless. He never made yeah. a single mistake. And then you're told you got to be like this guy, right? So if that isn't setting people up for like total abject kind of um, discouraged, then I don't know what it is. It's a, you, you couldn't create, again, you couldn't create a recipe for more discouragement, if you, a better recipe for discouragement if you tried. Well, I, I hear what you're saying, and there's certainly an aspect of that, right? Uh, especially if you're talking about the religious stuff, right? I mean, even outside of just looking up to these examples of fast successes by entrepreneurs who didn't kind of stumble through an off-road path that was littered with obstacles, right? I mean, on, on the Jesus thing, I would just say, yeah, that's true. But he also, you know, is the figurehead for a religion that that essentially has at its core a, a mechanism to uh, reconcile you with a God uh, with the inevitable failures, a.k.a. sins, a.k.a., you know, hamarsha, which means uh, missing the mark, which is all that sin means. Mm-hmm. Basically saying you will fail. That's what sin is. And here's a mechanism to reconcile you with God with that inevitability that will never be cured until you die uh, you know purportedly right mm-hmm. so there's that and the fact that he essentially chose 
wildly imperfect failures as his disciples. The first person he revealed himself to was a freaking prostitute. So, you know, clearly I think, uh, you know, if you look at the story of Jesus, you can juxtapose the perfection uh, archetype with also someone that was drawn towards love those who were riddled with failure, right? Sure. Riddled with imperfection. Yeah. So you have that dynamic too. But, uh, you know, on the, um, you know, the entrepreneurial front and your stat there about, you know, success kind of flourishing within the for mid forties or age 45, you know, I think that's right. Like, I mean, that's kind of why I wrote this book. Like I look at a cross section of um, entrepreneurs and creatives and kind of authentic figures and unique journeys where like that was like, like where their story was almost as important as their ultimate success and their story fed into the beauty of the narrative of their success mm -hmm. and the beauty of um, their effectiveness in whatever they do. So I think of, I mentioned Vince Flynn, the spy novelist, he passed away at age 47. You know, I, I talk about him and how he, you know, had to, had to, uh, uh, get discharged from the Marines and that dream failed. And then he was, um, in real estate and, you know, that wasn't going well. And he had dyslexia and he was rejected by publishers. And eventually he just had the balls to just quit his job and bartend at night and write all day. And that wasn't easy going, but eventually, you know, obstacle failure, you know, detour after detour, he kept going and he became who he is and wrote 14 best-selling novels. Mm -hmm. The first one being self-published before he, he got a book deal. Think mm -hmm. of Henry Rollins, punk rocker who uh, was in Black Flag. You know, he was asked to join Black Flag after joining them on stage at a show in New York, um, you know, where he, he just did like a guest uh, vocal appearance. And he was scooping ice cream in Georgetown, um, you know, not really, you know, you know, a high, uh, high paying job. Right. But he left the security of that, dropped everything, got in the van and embraced fucking punk rock poverty so he could go after his dream. And along that road, guess what? It was the 80s. He's torn a punk band. There's no GPS. There's no email. There, there's none of that. And yeah. uh, there was times where he had to eat dog food to survive. You know, eventually went on to get a Grammy for reading his book, um, you know, get in the van. He's an actor in various movies. He's a spoken word guy. He's an author. He's, you know, whatever. So it's like, these are the stories that excite me and that give me courage. And then just show me the, the thrill of that journey where, yeah, you don't sure. want to eat dog food forever. Of course not. Right. Like that's not the goal, but yeah. it's those type of stories, man, that like can, can put fire in your heart when you're going off road and you're going on a path where, you know, there's no course you can really take that gives you a clear blueprint. You know, there's mm -hmm. no, there's nothing, there's nothing they can teach you in school that can tell you how to actually be successful in, in, in some of these paths, whether it's being a comedian or being an author or, or, um, you know, a startup. I mean, sure. There's, there's literature out there. There's influencers, there's media, there's podcasts, and there certainly is guidance, but there's not really a, a blueprint. It's not like getting a law degree and then looking at the stats and the probability of you getting a, a job as a lawyer in any given state, you know? Uh, and any, so I wrote any this blueprint book, that's, framework for that. Yeah, uh, and, and any blueprint that you find is someone else's blueprint, and it's usually not going to work for you anyway, right? Because we all have our own unique path to work and to walk and also our own unique strengths and skills and perspectives. And it's something I'm starting to learn, in particular with when it comes to my business, specifically with marketing. You know, there's so many people trying mm. to sell marketing courses and marketing systems. And I've tried a bunch of them and, and they invariably don't work. And, and the things that 
I don't expect to work, do work. You know, my mm. own unique approaches to, to getting the word out there or when I do something just completely organic and authentic, then that usually results in, in, in more business or, or an improvement, which I think um, brings me to this next uh, point that you, you've, um, you raised in the intake form here, which is non-attachment and authenticity, the connection between ma- maintaining a fidelity to internal spiritual attachments to uphold authenticity, even while working to optimize the external material world. This I, I love because one of the, the hallmarks of the work I do with, with people is, you know, I help them create businesses and I help them escape the rat race. And there is one caveat. It's look, it's not that difficult to make money, right? But it's very difficult to make money without selling your soul. And yep. um, so I'd, I'd love to hear uh, more about your um, insights into that particular aspect. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, it's funny because that's actually one of the main themes of the book. So again, I've it's a, in, in the book, Failure Rules, there's five rules of failure. Failure rule number three is money is spiritual. And, and that part of the book is all about the struggle to marry money with meaning. Um, you don't really want one with the other. You need both. You don't want money without meaning. You'll kind of veer off into to the failure edges of greed or envy. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to find a way to marry money and meaning. That is the biggest, I think, struggle for so many people. I know it has been for me. It's been like a lifelong journey to, to make that sure. happen. Um, you know, and, and for me, uh, going back to just the non-attachment thing, I mean, that's the biggest thing I've learned from my failures, right? Whether it's, you know, going through a personal bankruptcy to save my record labels, or whether it's uh, going through a divorce that I was so blindsided by because I, I wasn't even self-aware enough to have the imagination that it could even ever happen. <laughs> uh, right. You know, not even having the, the thought of any contingency um, yeah, yeah, or yeah. whether it was, uh, you know, just whatever other failures I've had, whether it's going on public assistant assistance at a period of time or, or anything else. It's like when you get up from that and you get up stronger and wholer and you realize that the external things in your life can be shuffled around in a million different ways. But if you are, you have an internal locus of control. You have some semblance of some spiritual spirituality, right? Regardless of, of what faith tradition, right? Or, mm-hmm. or even if it's a non-faith tradition like Stoicism, I mean, whatever it is, you got some sort of internal um, compass within you that you're more focused on on the internal. Uh, and and like the Maharala Prague, you know, used to talk about the 16th century uh, Jewish uh, mystic, you know. If you're letting the spiritual lead the physical, you're going to have that peace. You're going to have that clarity. Uh, and it doesn't mean, as I said in, in, in the intake form, that you do not want to engage with the external world, maximize it, enjoy it, like rebuild it. Like you certainly do. But you do that from the strength of having the first principles being mm. um, having internal attachments, those mm. intangible um, you know, ethos, principles. Uh, you know, faith guidance, whatever it is that really kind of, you know, allows you to withstand whatever comes your way. Yeah, interesting. My particular uh, perspective at this moment with regards to that um, spiritual approach to, you know, your, your physical endeavors and your subsequent successes and failures is, you know, at the root of it all, you have to still love yourself 
because I think that's what it ultimately it came back to for me. You, you know, you spoke about the divorce thing, right? Like um, I was also blindsided by divorce and, and what mm. I remember the, the thing that hurt more than anything, it wasn't even missing the ex-wife. It was just this idea that I'd failed at my mm -hmm. marriage, failed in the eyes of society. And as a result, it was unworthy. And mm -hmm. that was actually the biggest lesson of my life because it woke me up to this understanding that I have to love myself regardless of what is manifesting in my external reality, regardless of how I look, how much money I have, how who, who the partner in my life is. You know what I mean? Like if I'm if yes. I'm down and out or if I'm on easy street, it doesn't matter. Either way, I still have to love myself at the core. I'm sure that's it's right. A, yeah. It sounds like it's something you stumbled upon as well. Yeah. In fact, I mean, the name of one of the chapters in the book is uh, When Unloved, Sing Your Own Love Songs to Yourself. Right. I love it. And it's centered around uh, one of my favorite albums by the punk band Sheer Terror called uh, Love Songs for the Unloved. And that song was like really like, you know, carried me through the divorce and the same feelings you're describing of battling that unloved instinct and, mm -hmm. and finding a way back to loving yourself. You know, in the chapter I write about Kamal Ravikant, uh, who is brother of Naval Ravikant, uh, mm -hmm. Silicon Valley uh, investor. And, Love yourself you know, like story. your life depends depends on it. I'm, yep. I'm reading it exactly for the second right. time at the moment. Yeah, funny enough. Yep, and that book, he's, you know, he wrote that book in the midst of deep depression, you know, ignoring outreach from friends, couldn't get out of bed, failed as a CEO, living off his credit card, was just slipping into the abyss. Mm -hmm. somehow he found a way to love himself again. And yeah. what happens when creators love themselves? They find a way to turn that pain into beautiful art, turn it into that book, sells it for $2.99, ends up selling a half a million copies. Before mm -hmm. you know it, he's getting not only getting lifted out of the poverty, you know, the, the external like lower, you know, rung of the hierarchy of needs that he needed to solve. The next thing you know, he's into the higher rungs because he's mm -hmm. now creative again. He's writing books, he becomes an investor. It's like, and then where did that all come from? From the ability to find his way back to loving himself. Sure. Completely doesn't matter what's going on in the rest of the world. Doesn't matter what your bank account says. Doesn't matter, you know, what failures you've had. It's like it's just that, you know, it's it's the flames just burning. You know, it's like the the, mm. the phoenix needs to burn to emerge. You know. Sure. You know, I I, I had forgotten about this, but um, it just came to mind again while you were, were talking, which is uh, one of the the most powerful hacks I've psychological hacks I stumbled upon. Um, it was in 2021, if I'm 2020, I'm not mistaken that I read about this. And it was actually just a it was just part of a, a detailed comment on a on a subreddit. I can't remember which subreddit it was, but um, this thing has profoundly influenced me, which is one of the ways that you can you can really change your whole approach to failures by taking this on board, which is I define what failure looks like and how I feel about myself when I fail. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you can realize that anything that you perceive as failure can just be changed into a success, right? And not only that, anything which you perceive as failure, you could you you decide if you, if you feel like a piece of shit or if you feel like a survivor or a fucking hero, whatever it might be. It's up to you. It's not up to the rest of the world. It's up to you. Damn right. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so think about it, right? I took my failures and I just wrote a 485 book about it. And here I am talking to you about it. 
Mm. Is that a success? Who knows? Jury's out. We'll see, right? But it's taking that and turning it into something useful, something beautiful, an offering to the world that can hopefully be a blessing to them, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, mm -hmm. it's the same idea. It's like I get to decide what these failures are and what they mean. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I write about the book. I have a quote from Srinivas Rao, who wrote The Art of Being Unmistakable. And he just talks about, like, you know, the funny thing about these failures is, you know, you're really the CEO of your life. You get to decide what these failures are. And it's exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And you do. Right. And you get yeah. to turn them into whatever you want. You can turn that story into, you know, something, something beautiful and, uh, and meaningful. And the, the power within us to frame things and then act upon that unique framing, you know, it's, it's, it can't be understated. Mm. And one of the things, one of the ways that you reframe failure, which I'm going to start using myself is you speak of the purification of failure, which um, I, I just love that image in my mind to me. That's, that's really cool. Can you describe that a little bit more and more specifically or, or also how, how you came to, to look at it in that way? Yeah, so that end up being failure rule number one, failure purifies in the book. So first of the five rules of failure, mm -hmm. you know, it comes kind of from that, the image of the phoenix rising from the flames, right? The the, the phoenix has to burn to emerge. Uh, you know, I think of that. I think of uh, Nassim Tlaib and the anti-fragile concept uh, that, uh, you know, somebody who's anti-fragile is somebody that, you know, again, just doesn't, doesn't just rise from, you know, after being harmed, but gains from harm, right? So it's almost, a, it's that it's a refiner's fire, like the mm -hmm. failure actually purifies you. It burns off the accumulated waste that was no longer serving you. It lets old habits, old thinking, old ways of being die so that mm -hmm. new ones can emerge and make you stronger. And if you realize that and you embrace that, uh, then you, you do see it almost as a blessing when it occurs, when it's unavoidable, right? And when it's something that might be you know, part of uh, a unique pivot point in your story. So I think of Thomas Smallwood. I write about him in the book, uh, professional 10 pin Thomas bowler. Okay. Um, yeah. Thomas Smallwood. He, um, you know, he has had this quote where he says, you know, uh, getting laid off was uh, uh, one of the worst things that happened to me, but it led to the best results. And he tells a story about how he worked at, uh, at the, the Ford factory in Michigan and he got laid off and didn't know what to do. But in that valley of, of failure and unemployment and uncertainty, what happened? He was able to really see his true calling and go after it, even when he had little resources. He scraped up $1,500. He ended up going and, um, you know, signing up for, I forget what what what, uh, what league, but you know, PBA, Professional Bowling Association or something. And he went after his dream of becoming a, a professional bowler. And before you know it, at the same time, he's getting recalled from his, his factory job at Ford. Uh, instead of working the lines at the, at the factory, he's on ESPN working the lanes as a professional bowler. And he got to actually tell his former employer, sorry, I can't take that job, but I'll be on ESPN tomorrow if you want to watch me. His story is now on, uh, uh, I forget what channel it's on, but uh, the comedian Pete Holmes plays him in like, some new sitcom, right? Okay. Uh, but like that story, it's like that's a purification of failure, like Something had to burn. Something had to die. You had to go through a little pain and uncertainty in order to burn it off and see what you really meant to do next, or at least what you really had the potential to do next if you're able to appropriate it and see it and follow it. You know. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that's that's um, that's really cool. Now, you you also speak about fulfillment, redundancy, and reinvention—the necessity of building a portfolio of interests 
in order to nimbly walk through life with a rich life that finds a composite of fulfillment through various iterations of reinvention of reinvention events. Yeah. Uh, now, how do you, so basically what you're saying is if the, the more interest you have, the broader your, your scope of um, endeavors and, and uh, hobbies and, and things that you're, you're connected to, the more easy it is to bounce back when any one thing kind of doesn't work out. Is, is that what you're implying? That's a piece of it, right? Okay. So I think that's kind of the reflexive piece that we all understand and go after. I mean, it's, it's similar to an investment portfolio. You know, let's diversify, recalibrate over time to put all your eggs in one basket. So we all do that with, you know, our savings and investments, right? Um, that That's a natural thing to think of. But most people do not do that, well, with, with income sources. They're not always building a portfolio of, of redundant income streams. Those mm -hmm. who do have more financial safety that way, more ability to hopefully become uh, you know, financially free or more financially flexible with their time in the future. Mm -hmm. But what I've noticed in my life is there are some people that I've met or known or done business with in my life that have enjoyed you know, early retirement um, you know, and have that full financial freedom but there's still like this, a little bit, of, there's this emptiness, there's this hunger, there's there's lack of meaning in their life because they didn't learn how to marry money with meaning necessarily. They got the money thing right. And now they have the time and they have the money, but they don't really know what to do to have that meaning in their life. So mm -hmm. what I'm talking about more here is like fulfillment redundancy, building a portfolio of pursuits, not just to be financially free, but to ensure that you're going to avoid depression and meaninglessness mm -hmm if you become financially for free. So having a variety of meaningful pursuits that are pursuits worthy of your life that you can collapse into should you become mm -hmm. financially free. Even before that, right? It's just, I mean, I even think now, like I have a lot of things going on in any given moment. I always have several, you know, um, you know, pots on the stove, right? So I own a couple record labels and I go in and out of activity with that. Uh, I'm, I'm writing this book. I wrote a spy novel before. I'm a full-time fintech executive banker. Um, there's other ideas going on. And at different stages or different phases, each one provides a different percentage of fulfillment to me. But on the aggregate, the composite fills me up 100% hmm. because it's a portfolio of pursuits. If you're only leaning on one, if, if the fulfillment starts getting low there, you're going to be in trouble. Somebody who only has a job, right? One job or one pursuit, like... It can dry up. So I think it's about the diversity of fulfillment mentality. I think that it really fills us with life. Mm -hmm. And then as a result, allows us, I think, to like bless others more, give more to the world, mm -hmm. create better relationships. You know, in, in theory, I'm, I'm all for that. And I'm also someone who at various stages has had many different projects running simultaneously. But what I've, what I, the way I struggle to reconcile that is, um, Many years ago, uh, I heard, I can't remember the name of the entrepreneur, but he was a, a reasonably successful entrepreneur. And he was speaking about this concept he calls um, diversification, obviously a, a play on the word diversification, <laughs> right? And he, he was saying how you'll never really break through to any extraordinary levels of success when your focus is scattered over too many different things. Sure. And that's that's actually been my experience as, as well. Like in practice, I've noticed. I'm not saying everyone's like this, but I I notice that I'm like that. Like I can have two two major projects on at once, but not sure. three. 
like any yeah. more than like any more than two and i start to see everything just starts to like dissipate or lose <laughs> momentum yeah, yeah. so i'd love to know how you reconcile that with your your previous point yeah so a couple of things i would say sure you got to know your limitations you got to know where you're being stretched too far where you're diminishing and minimizing you know your efficacy on any given pursuit so that's one particularly if we're talking about monetized pursuits right which is what you're talking about um you also have to balance um, you know, mastery with meaning. What I'm talking about is more is meaning and fulfillment, which doesn't mean you're a master at all these things. It just mm -hmm. means you're constantly challenged. You're constantly curious. You're not getting bored. So you can have 100% meaning and fulfillment and not really be a master at anything you do, mm -hmm. you know? So it depends what's more important to you. Is it mastery or meaning? Obviously you want both if you can, or as mm -hmm. much of one as you, each one as you can. So there's those two things. Uh, and then, you know, it's also, these don't have to be monetized pursuits. It could just be diversifying your interest to live a rich life. You know, you might have three or four different hobbies that keep you interested and interesting, and none of them have anything to do with being monetized. You know, whereas I, again, I see people who have early retirements and they don't even know what to do with themselves. Whereas, you know, my suggestion is think now about different future iterations of yourselves and how you might re reinvent yourself so that if needed, or if you have the you know the option to do so, you can live many lives and have mm -hmm. that rich life, whether it's you know something monetized or not. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, my my previous uh, career as a, a full time martial artist and martial arts instructor was a, a great example of this. There were so many guys I noticed that just threw themselves into it with such dedication i was one of them but had absolutely no other interests or backup plans or anything else i mean that was just literally their reason for being yeah. and that is another thing that is romanticized by the world right mm -hmm. yeah it's like you know that like he ate slept and breathed this thing for, for you know 20 years the problem is when that thing inevitably is taken away from you or your capacities diminished due to age or whatever it might be, and you have built your identity around that one single thing, as you say, like it comes with this massive cost because then suddenly you're like, uh, if that's not my thing anymore, who am I? And um, yep. I've always instinctively known that that wasn't the way forwards. Um, Andrew, what, what have you got going on at the moment? What's your current your current uh, muse or or project that's that's keeping you as passionate as you clearly appear to be? Yeah, I would say it's this. It's, it's this book, Failure Rules: The Five Rules of Failure for Entrepreneurs, Creatives, and Authentics. Comes out September twenty seventh. It'll be everywhere books are sold. Um, obviously, going to do as many podcasts as I can right now on that. I have a YouTube channel too where I do a bunch of, of videos to kind of bring the material to life in, in a different way. Mm -hmm. uh, most of them are produced videos. So I would send people to add Andrew Thorpe King on YouTube to check those out. I also um, am launching a, a clothing company along with the uh, book called Stolen Fire Supply Company, which ties nice. into a chapter in the book called Stolen Fire. A lot of really cool merch. I'm wearing one right now here. It says uh, PMA, don't lose it, which means positive mental attitude. Nice. And uh, just, just so I'm launching that along with it. So it's really the whole, I'm calling it the failure verse. It's all the different kind of uh, tentacles that kind of uh, come out of the octopus of this book and the ideas and messages within. Yeah. I, I, I So um, what is, remind me the tagline of the book. 
the tagline. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, because after it sucks, failure rules. So no, no, uh, no. It was for something creatives and authentics. Oh, the that, subtitle. Subtitle. Apology. Apology. Subtitle. Yeah. Five rules of failure for entrepreneurs, creatives, and authentics. Right. So it's okay. especially written for you know entrepreneurs, creatives, and I kind of made up this term authentics. That's actually, actually the, the part that interested me. I'd never heard that term authentics, but um, yeah, uh, that's really cool. I like to consider myself one of those. And uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, interesting. When when you, I find that such a fascinating thing when a, when you finally discover a word or a term to encapsulate an idea or a concept that you'd you'd always well, long been aware of, it's it both simultaneously diminishes and enhances that concept because in one in one way it, it closes it off by yeah. naming it, and in another way it also legitimate legitimizes it. Um, Andrew, yeah. man, you're, you're a, such an interesting cat. Uh, it, it's been so fun to talk to you. Um, and I, I definitely am going to have you back on the show, maybe six months after the book is launched so we can awesome. discuss how it's, it's gone. And um, the, the best way for people to get in touch with you is, is what? Uh, so Instagram uh, at Andrew Thorpe King. Again, YouTube at Andrew Thorpe King. And my website, andrewthorpeking.com. And there's no E on the end of Thorpe. It's just T-H-O-R-P. Awesome. Um, so all awesome. those different uh, ways you can get in touch for sure. Cool, man. Well, it's, it's been so, so fun having you on the show. Thank you for, for your time. And I wish you all the best with this new book. You too, man. Thanks for all you do. Love it. Have a good night. To me, that was one of the most important and illuminating shows that I've done for a while. And the reason for that is I've always been someone who can I can get through just about anything provided that I know the end result is going to be beneficial to me, to my circumstances or to my physiology or to my spiritual growth or whatever it might be. An example of this is like, I've got a very, I'm a very picky eater, right? Like there's certain things I absolutely detest and will not eat. Um, however, if you if I know something is good for me I'll I'll get it down uh, one of the things I have every morning is this green drink and I truly do not enjoy the taste at all I truly hate it and it's no problem for me to drink it because I, I know the benefits of what this green drink does for me I can feel them and see them and so it's easy to do and with Andrew's discussion one of the points that he brought up that helped me so much is this idea that failure is purifying. That was the key takeaway for me, is knowing that, okay, I can do this thing and fail, and that failure isn't really a failure because it still has some inherent uh, redemptive feature to it, which is that it's purified me in some way, or it's helped burn away some element of myself that was not serving me, or yeah, just helped make me stronger. And so understanding that has helped me really be more to just view failure as something that it's not this big, scary, bad wolf that's out to get you. It's something there ultimately for your benefit. And also that is a part of the, the path towards success. There is no true success that has not been built on several failures. You see a lot of people in the world who, as I said in the episode, they're, they're held up to us as these paragons of success, right? And it, it looks like they just 
got lucky almost the first time or, or like you're like how the fuck did they do this and you realize yeah they either did get lucky or uh, the success they had wasn't built on anything of substance and so ultimately they end up losing it or what's more likely is the success they have was built on a series of very difficult scenarios and ultimately failures before they eventually hit that that uh, that success so it's tied into another thing I'm often fond of saying which is don't believe the hype right the world runs on hype with everything you know people making promises they can't deliver advertising again overhyping products uh, people's achievements being you know made out to be greater than they actually are don't believe the hype right success requires failure of at least some kind hope you guys enjoyed that show i'll be back in a in a week with another episode for you guys until then remember we're all alone in this together Thank you.